0: My name is Leonidas, and this is Informed Descent. What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 43 of Informed Descent, the podcast where we push back against the culture of groupthink and challenge the narrative. I hope you're doing well. We actually had a really crazy windstorm here in Ohio and our power was out over the weekend and didn't come back on until Monday. So I'm extremely thankful to have power right now. I mean, it's one of those things, man, like you don't know how much you rely on electricity until you don't have it. You know, we take so much for granted and it's just you don't even realize it. You don't realize how good we have it until, until it's gone. And that's true, for, that's true for a lot of things. But so I'm thankful to have power. I hope you have power and I hope everything is going okay in your world. But today, the narratives we're going to tackle are the idea that two plus two can sometimes equal five, which is straight out of 1984. And I can't believe that this is a thing that people are arguing about but they are, apparently. And it's incredible that we have to spend any time on this whatsoever, but here we are. And also, we'll talk about the tragic shooting by a transgender individual at the Christian Elementary School in Nashville that took the lives of six people, including three children, and the ongoing narrative that all we need to do to stop these shootings is to ban so-called assault rifles. I, I hate even using that terminology because it's so ridiculous. And the idea that the only solution is to ban guns is equally ridiculous. But we'll talk about it. And we're going to hold off for a week on the psychological concept of the week because... I have a lot to say about each of these topics and I'm trying to keep the episodes right around a half an hour. So we'll try to get to it next week. But all right, let's get into it. Narrative number one, two plus two can sometimes equal five. Okay, so this sounds like satire, but unfortunately it is not. There are people who are seriously attempting to argue that 2 plus 2 can sometimes equal 5. And the way they do this, of course, is by changing the rules of the equation or changing the value of the number. Because if 2 actually means 2.5, and we can only represent it as an integer, then it is possible that two plus two can equal five. All you have to do is change the meaning of the word two. If two doesn't mean two, then it can't equal five. It's amazing. That, that was a real argument. It's <laughs> a real argument that was made. This is what people are doing with their time. I mean, sure, if, if the numbers mean something entirely different, then yes, you, you can make it equal whatever you want to. I mean, technically, five could represent 30,000. And two plus two could then equal 30,000. I mean, there's, there's no real limit to it, right? And here's another way that people have attempted to, to make it work. If you have two squares and you add two squares, then you have five squares. That's the argument. And this is one of those silly brain games where you count how many squares there are and you count the combined big square as one. But obviously, it cannot be said that 2 plus 2 equals 5 in this scenario because you're counting the smaller squares twice to make the bigger square, right? I, two squares plus two squares clearly still equals four squares. And you can see it there. There are still only four squares. The fact that the four squares can be combined to make one big square does not mean that there are now somehow five squares. And this could be most clearly illustrated by using real world objects like boxes. If I staple together two boxes with two other boxes, I have technically created one big box, but there are still only four boxes. I do not somehow magically have five boxes. <laughs> And pretending that the four boxes combined is an additional box is obviously ridiculous. It's obviously ridiculous. So the only way to make it make sense is if we change the meaning of the word box and change the meaning of the numbers themselves. That's the only way to get it to fit. You have to distort reality. See, this is the goal of these kind of antics, right? Distort reality. And make it so anything can be true. And anything can be rationalized. I've likened it to saying that unicorns exist because they are narwhals. It's a game of technicalities and shifting definitions. Narwhals can technically be considered unicorns because they do have a single horn. And they're actually nicknamed unicorns of the sea. But that isn't the definition of the word unicorn. And it isn't what people mean when they say unicorns don't exist. They're not talking about narwhals, right? So the only way you can justify the phrase unicorns exist is if you change the definition of the word unicorn to mean any animal with a single horn instead of a magical horse with a horn on its forehead. Two plus two can equal five if you just change the definition of two and plus and equals, and five. Change the definition of the words and reality can be whatever you want it to be. It's very convenient. But see, this is the hallmark of progressivism, right? This constant attack on language and attempts to alter definitions in order to fit into the ideological framework, redefined racism to justify the idea that black people can't be racist, Redefine gender in the word woman to rationalize transgenderism. Redefine the word life in the word human being to rationalize abortion. Redefine the word rights to rationalize demands for political action. Redefine the words compassion and empathy to bully people into capitulating to your cause. It's constant. Just about every issue that surfaces involves progressives proclaiming words to mean something different than their actual definition. Yeah, It it reminds me of this scene from 1984 when O'Brien is torturing Winston and asking him how many fingers he's holding up. And I want to read this scene to you because it so perfectly encapsulates our contemporary political discourse. It's scary. Prophetic, even. But O'Brien says, you are here because you have failed in humility, in self-discipline. You would not make the act of submission, which is the price of sanity. You preferred to be a lunatic, a minority of one. Only the disciplined mind can see reality, Winston. You believe that reality is something objective, external, existing in its own right. You also believe that the nature of reality is self-evident. When you delude yourself into thinking that you see something, you assume that everyone else sees the same thing as you. But I tell you, Winston, that reality is not external. Reality exists in the human mind and nowhere else. Not in the individual mind, which can make mistakes and in any case soon perishes. Only in the mind of the party, which is collective and immortal. Whatever the party holds to be truth is truth. It is impossible to see reality except by looking through the eyes of the party. That is the fact that you have got to relearn, Winston. It needs an act of self-destruction, an effort of the will. You must humble yourself before you can become sane. He paused for a few moments, as though to allow what he had been saying to sink in. Do you remember, he went on, writing in your diary, freedom is the freedom to say that two plus two make four. Yes, said Winston. O'Brien held up his left hand, its back toward Winston, with the thumb hidden and the four fingers extended. How many fingers am I holding up, Winston? Four. And if the party says that it is not four, but five, then how many? The word ended in a gasp of pain. The needle of the dial had shot up to 55. The sweat had sprung out all over Winston's body. The air tore into his lungs and issued again in deep groans, which even by clenching his teeth, he could not stop. O'Brien watched him. The four fingers still extended. He drew back the lever. This time, the pain was only slightly eased. How many fingers... Winston. Four. The needle went up to sixty. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Four. What else can I say? Four. The needle must have risen again, but he did not look at it. The heavy, stern face and the four fingers filled his vision. The fingers stood up before his eyes like pillars, enormous, blurry, and seeming to vibrate, but unmistakably. Four. How many fingers, Winston? Four. Stop it. Stop it. How can you go on? Four. Four. How many fingers, Winston? Five. 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 No, Winston. That is no use. You are lying. You still think there are four. How many fingers, please? Four. Five. Four. Anything you'd like. Only stop it. Stop the pain. Abruptly, he was sitting up with O'Brien's arm round his shoulders. He had perhaps lost consciousness for a few seconds. The bonds that had held his body down were loosened. He felt very cold. He was shaking uncontrollably. His teeth were chattering. The tears were rolling down his cheeks. For a moment, he clung to O'Brien like a baby, curiously comforted by the heavy arm round his shoulders. He had the feeling that O'Brien was his protector. That the pain was something that came from the outside, from some other source, and that it was O'Brien who would save him from it. You are a slow learner, Winston, said O'Brien gently. How can I help it? He blubbered. How can I help seeing what is in front of my eyes? Two and two are four. Sometimes, Winston. Sometimes they are five. Sometimes they are three. Sometimes they are all of them at once. You must try harder. It is not easy to become sane. See, this is exactly what we're dealing with in our society. We're being told to reject the evidence of our eyes and ears, to reject objective reality and embrace outright lies. We're being told that feelings matter more than truth or that As O'Brien told Winston, reality is not external, it exists in the mind. It is whatever the party decides that it is, whatever the collective entity decides that it is. If it decides that men can be women, then who are you to challenge it? If it decides that racism is secretly interwoven into the fabric of our institutions and that white people are oppressors and black people are victims, who are you to reject it? If it decides that 2 plus 2 equals 5, who are you to say otherwise? You must try harder. It's not easy to become sane. Narrative number two. Banning guns will end gun violence. So, this is a tough story to talk about. The loss of innocent life is always terrible, but especially so when it's children. And three adults and three children were ruthlessly murdered on Monday at a small Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. And there are several details of this story that are worth examining, but the predictable refrain from the progressive left has been that we need to ban assault rifles and gun owners are evil people who don't care about children, etc., etc., And it turns out as well that the shooter was a female who had decided that she was actually a man. So there has been a lot of bizarre sympathy for her and for trans people at large, which is just absolute madness. I mean, she killed children for goodness sake. But before we get too deep into it, I do want to honor the victims, and send condolences and prayers for peace and comfort to their family and friends. I can't imagine the pain that they must be feeling. It's just awful. The three adults killed were a substitute teacher named Cynthia Peake, the head of the school, Catherine Kuntz, and a custodian named Mike Hill. And the students who were killed were nine-year-old Evelyn Deakhouse, nine-year-old Hallie Scruggs, and nine-year-old William Kinney. Absolutely devastating. It's one of my worst fears as a parent, something happening to my kids. And I'm sure that most parents share that sentiment. So... I can't imagine what these families are going through right now. I just know that my heart goes out to them and we're praying for them as they navigate through this horrific time. And we're thinking about their families and praying for peace and comfort. It's awful. So the question becomes, what do we do about this? How do we prevent it from happening again? Because it does keep happening again, right? It does keep happening and we haven't stopped it. We haven't, we haven't even really mitigated it much. At least it doesn't seem that way. Some schools have increased security and that seems to have made a difference for those individual schools, but other schools seem to remain sitting ducks and soft targets What's so frustrating about these discussions is the insufferable sanctimony of the progressive left, we can't even talk about it. We can't talk about it. They're just insufferably sanctimonious, and I'm so tired of these people lifting themselves up as the morally superior and morally righteous who they alone possess the solutions to our woes. And anyone who disagrees with them is denigrated as an evil person who loves to see children shot and killed. Now, I'm, I'm sick of these people and their antics. Their solution is to throw the Constitution in the trash and ban guns. That's the solution. We need more laws to ban guns and punish law-abiding gun owners. No other solution will be considered or even allowed to be discussed. Give up your right to bear arms. The end. And you know, this is a little bit of an aside, but we keep hearing the statistic that there have been 130 mass shootings this year so far, which is defined as four or more people being shot in a single incident, which doesn't mean deaths, it just means shot, which is still awful, don't get me wrong. But what gets omitted is what is the cause of these shootings, which the vast majority of them are gang-related street violence, where some gang member shoots up a car or or shoots into a crowd of people or whatever it may be but the vast majority of these so-called mass shootings are happening on the streets in democrat-controlled cities many of them with strict gun laws but that gets conveniently forgotten we're just supposed to hear 130 mass shootings and think that they're like this one but they're not not even close and that that doesn't mean that they don't matter, but it's clearly a cultural issue and a policy issue in those cities because the DAs keep letting violent criminals back out on the streets to terrorize these neighborhoods in the name of equity, of course. But they don't want to talk about that. They don't they don't really care about the dead victims of these shooters. They don't really care even about the children who are killed in in street violence. They just want to use their dead bodies to pump up the numbers and make a case for gun bans and gun confiscation, which I'm sure gang members would absolutely abide by. They already do a great job at following current laws, right? But anyway, this is a real problem with keeping kids safe in schools and a question of what to do about it. But it seems no one actually wants answers that don't involve taking away people's guns. Increasing school security is scoffed at. Allowing teachers to be armed is mocked and ridiculed. They don't seem to want solutions. They, they want people to give up their guns. The end. They want power and control. That's what they want. They don't seem to actually care if the problem is solved or even capable of being solved. They only care that their worldview is reinforced and that they're given power and control over other people's lives. Like any other implementation of communist ideology, liberty is always the enemy. Liberty, they say, is dangerous because people might use their liberty to do terrible things. Therefore, we must squash liberty in the name of safety, relinquish our freedom to the state, and depend on government to protect us. It's extremely foolish, and it's always been extremely foolish because it always ends the same way, with the government becoming tyrannical and crushing its subjects under its authoritarian rule. But they are correct. Liberty is dangerous, and people may use their liberty to try to hurt others. That much is true. In that sense, the government is meant to provide justice and retribution through the law when that occurs, when rights are violated. It does not mean that we should abandon liberty because we're afraid. The inevitable result is that we become less free and yet no safer. We give up our freedom for nothing in return. And then what happens? We're told that we must give up even more freedom to become even safer. And so we do, perpetually sacrificing our freedom in the name of safety never realizing that we're enslaving ourselves to the government. And look at all the gun laws already on the books. And yet they tell us it's not enough. We haven't given up enough of our freedom, apparently. We must give up more. Why haven't any of those gun laws we already have made us safer? Of course, the ideologue would say, but it would have been worse. This is how those who treat politics as a religion justify government intrusion. No matter what the government does or how poorly it does it, the answer is always, but it would have been worse. But it would have been worse if it weren't for the government. Yeah, this bad thing happened and the government didn't help, but it would have been worse if it weren't for the government in the first place. (laughs) We saw that during COVID, right? People still got COVID with the vaccine, even though they were told by the government that they wouldn't. But hey... It would have been worse. It would have been worse if it weren't for the government, guys. It's Nonsense. But regardless, even if the government were somehow able to provide safety in exchange for our freedom, trading freedom for safety is a bad trade. It's a bad trade. As Thomas Jefferson once said, I prefer dangerous freedom to peaceful slavery. It is the difference Between an eagle free to soar the skies and live its life with liberty but with uncertainty and yes, with danger, or to live its life completely safe, completely taken care of, but in a cage, unable to fly, unable to go anywhere, trapped, enslaved, forever, but safe. Which do you prefer? So what should we do then? what should we do? Well, it's what Thomas Jefferson said, I think. Embrace the idea of dangerous freedom. Take responsibility for your own life, for your own safety, and your own self-defense. And stop demanding that the government take care of you. Allow teachers and staff to be armed and trained if they want to be, preferably clandestinely, So that if someone decides that they want to shoot up a school, they won't know if teachers are armed or the janitors armed or the cooks in the kitchen are armed. Could be anybody. And that will serve as a deterrent. We already saw that with this Nashville case. As she said herself, that she switched targets because the other school had too much security. Deterrent. And even if not, even if a shooter chooses the school with the armed staff then you already have multiple people on site who can engage the shooter and you aren't hiding and and waiting 15 minutes for the government to come and save you while children are being gunned down in classrooms. Now, take your safety and your life into your own hands. Let people protect their school and their students the best way that they see fit. Let parents choose how to protect their kids the best way that they see fit. Use your own dangerous liberty to make it dangerous for criminals. Liberty is inherently dangerous. That is true. But what's often forgotten is that liberty is also dangerous to those who seek to abuse it. Attacking helpless, dependent slaves is far less dangerous than attacking free men who hold responsibility for their own protection. You should be terrified to attack that kind of person. You know, one of one of the more striking videos I saw from this was the video of this girl shooting her way into the school and just walking around. She's just walking around, and you see her shoot the doors in, and then she just walks around the school, checking doors, wandering down the hallways, and occasionally raising her firearm in case anyone was coming. But and it's incredible. I mean, she just casually walks around the school with the alarms blaring. And she meets zero resistance. There's no resistance whatsoever until the police show up 15 minutes later and kill her. And of course, it's easy to look at these things in hindsight and say, well, why didn't this happen differently? But it just seems crazy that she was able to get in so easily and then walk around without any urgency or need to defend herself at all. It seems that even a single armed guard would have made a world of difference here, let alone an armed staff. I mean, can you imagine if multiple teachers were carrying when this happened? She could have been met with bullets from anywhere. And it would have been instant, not 15 minutes after the fact. And perhaps lives could have been saved, especially the lives of children. I mean, it's difficult to speculate about what could have or would have happened obviously. But looking at the footage, you have to wonder what might have been the result if she was not permitted to just freely roam the halls without any armed resistance. And again, it cannot be ignored that she intentionally chose this school because it was a softer target and had less security measures. That alone should be enough to tell us about the efficacy of security. Harden schools, make them difficult for outsiders to penetrate, and make them difficult to deal with if penetrated. It should not go unnoticed that schools in the most dangerous areas in our country don't usually have problems with gun violence, even though their neighborhoods are riddled with it. Why? Because those schools make it difficult to sneak in firearms. That seems to be the most logical conclusion, right? Metal detectors and resource officers make it hard to get guns into the school, and if a gun does get into the school, people are there to neutralize the threat. Increasing school safety seems to be directly related to fortifying schools and increasing security, so these things are deterred or vanquished quickly if they do happen. So why not harden schools? Why not provide more security? Listen, our children are the most important thing in this world. They are. And we should do everything we can to protect them. Absolutely. But what gets lost on gun activists is that taking away guns, banning guns, is not going to make our children safer. It's not going to make our country safer. All we're doing is sacrificing our liberty making ourselves even more dependent on the government, and then hoping for the best. So another interesting thing about this shooting, the reaction to it anyway, is the response of people when they found out that this person was transgender. It, this was a female who believed that she was a man who carried out this attack. And the response has been to empathize with the shooter And to blame Christians because it was a Christian school and to blame the government of Tennessee for passing so-called anti-trans legislation, which the legislation they're referring to just codifies the word sex as being determined uh, by anatomy and genetics existing at the time of birth. And also legislation against children receiving so-called gender-affirming care, which of course is mutilation and putting kids on hormones, which is insane, and, and, and anybody should oppose that, but you know, here we are. Also, also involves legislation prohibiting exposing children to adult entertainment like female impersonators, otherwise known as drag queens, by saying it can't be on public property and must be limited to age-restricted venues. So, (laughs) I mean, that doesn't seem like hateful legislation. I mean, you're just saying you're protecting kids. I mean, it's not saying adults can't do this stuff. It's it's aimed at kids and saying that they can't make permanent decisions or they can't be exposed to sexual entertainment. I mean, it's common sense stuff. But the response to this is that because of this kind of legislation and because Christians do not support transgenderism or the idea that men can be women and vice versa, then it's understandable why this girl who thought she was a boy would be so enraged to go murder elementary school kids. I mean, Libs of TikTok does a great job at documenting these insane people. I mean, listen to this one.
1: I wonder if the parents of the victims of the Nashville shooting today would still have their children. If these trans bills in Tennessee were never a thing. I'm not a parent, but if I were, I'd be real, real mad at the government. I'd be real, real mad at the government. And we need gun control now. But if you don't think that the transphobic hate speech... That people like J.K. Rowling and others like Candace Owens with really huge platforms spew on the daily. If you don't think that matters now, you are kidding yourself. So about the tragic school shooting that happened today at a private Christian school in Tennessee. Um, the shooter was born a biological female and they... Um, went by he, him on their LinkedIn. So they're, they're painting the narrative that, you know, they're trying to blame transgender people, you know, the whole thing. But every other school shooting that's happened in the last, I don't know, decade have been white men, and many of them identify as Christians. So let's not go there. But I do want to say that expect more of this kind of chaos and destruction when you bring fascism into this country. The more you don't love people, the more you shame people, the more you treat people like they're untouchable in society. What do you expect people to do? Of course, the The shadow inside of them is going to be so angry and retaliate in revenge. That's what happens when you decide to try to control people through legislation. You try to harm people through legislation. It's like. The world needs a lot more love, not more hate. The world needs a lot more love, not more judgment, not more condemnation. And that is what Jesus tried to say. So if Christians could just stop and realize that this hurts them too, and this is an example. Now their own got shot. Now their own children got killed. Now their own Christian kids got killed. Okay, When are we going to stop the hate? In all forms, stop the fascism in all forms. Stop voting for politicians that are enacting hateful legislation. The world needs more love. That's what we need. You don't want to address the guns, then address the love.
0: (sighs) It's unreal. Just unreal. I mean, the callousness. Just, man. The evil in this country just really bums me out sometimes, you know? it's just people are people are terrible human beings and there's no other real way to put it. These ideologies turn people into gargoyles. They become monstrous because they believe that they're justified in treating people this way. They believe that they're fighting Nazis, essentially. So if that's the case, then it doesn't matter what they do. You don't have to treat people like humans if they're not human right? This statement from the trans-resistant network is just incredible. They gave condolences to the families and then they said that there is a more complex tragedy and that essentially this person who killed these children was a victim herself of the legislation and anti-trans rhetoric in Tennessee. They say, Many transgender people deal with anxiety, depression, thoughts of suicide, and PTSD from the near-constant drumbeat of anti-trans hate, lack of acceptance from family members and certain religious institutions, denial of our existence, and calls for detransition and forced conversion. All of these factors contribute to a population that is medically underserved and who often face anti-trans bias while accessing care, leading to significant physical and mental health disparities. Hate has consequences. Hate has consequences. Bow down to the ideology. Pledge fealty to the religion. And maybe we won't shoot you. If you refuse to bow to Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue, then you will be thrown into the fiery furnace and, well, hate has consequences. What do you even say at this point? And there are many other examples of this kind of rhetoric floating around. Yeah, if you would just accept trans people's delusional reality, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. It's your fault, bigots. It's the children's fault. It's the Christians. The Christian children, their fault, they got shot because they were bigots. And we are in a real war here. And we're dealing with seriously demonic forces. This girl murdered children. She murdered innocent children. Nine-year-olds. Nine. I have a 10-year-old. And I can't even begin to imagine. And she murdered them in cold blood. But somehow she's the victim? Are you kidding me? And we're more concerned about her preferred pronouns and whether or not people accepted her for her delusions than the fact that she gunned down nine-year-old children in cold blood without any remorse? What is wrong with you? How can you be so blinded by ideology, by this religion that you've subscribed to, That you're so willing to empathize with a person who murders children. That the darkness and the rot in your soul cannot be overstated. If you find yourself making excuses, rationalizing, empathizing with someone who kills children, you've lost yourself. Your humanity is gone. You have no moral standing left if you ever had any to begin with. You may feel like you're standing up for the marginalized, for the people who are who are oppressed. And that makes you righteous. That makes you virtuous. But it's impossible for anyone to be even remotely righteous and virtuous while defending a child killer. That is the worst of the worst. Because they didn't just murder innocent people. They murdered innocent kids. They spilled the most innocent blood that you can possibly spill. How can you defend them? How can you possibly do that? You've allowed ideological poison to turn you into a monster. And that's what you are. A monster. And I'll tell you, if there's anyone to blame for this shooting other than the shooter herself, who should absolutely bear the responsibility. But if we're going to blame anyone else for their influence... For helping to create an atmosphere that drives such insanity and such hatred and blatant disregard for human life. It is the people who sympathize with criminals who kill kids. It is the people who celebrate degeneracy and debauchery. It is the people who reject objective morality and objective truth. It is the people who promote victim mentality and proclaim that these external forces are oppressing them and are responsible for all of the bad things that happen in their lives. It is the people who dehumanize and devalue human life, especially the unborn, who are the most innocent human life among us. If that's you, if you promote this stuff, you embrace that toxic ideology and you're looking for someone to blame, I suggest you march straight over to the mirror. Yeah, you know, it should be no surprise that a culture that promotes evil breeds evil. Our society spends all of this time doing everything it can to stomp out the light. Then it has the nerve to wonder why it's so dark. <laughs> In summary, these two issues are not unrelated, and that is not an accident. The idea that two plus two can sometimes equal five undoubtedly was the driver of the mental illness and eventual acts of evil committed by the person who took a gun into a Christian school and murdered children, as well as three adults. When you reject reality, then anything goes. If there's no objective morality, if there's no objective truth, can it even be said that what she did was wrong? By what moral standard would you even derive such a conclusion? What moral authority tells you that this is evil? If you don't believe in those things, wasn't she just living her truth? So once you abandon the framework of reality and truth and tear down the guardrails, There's nothing to prevent you from veering off into the abyss. And we cannot allow that to happen to our society. Two plus two equals four. And it will always equal four. That's the truth. Thanks for listening. I'm Leonidas, and this has been Informed Dissent. Hey, guys, make sure you pick up my new book, Raising Victims, The Pernicious Rise of Critical Race Theory. It's available anywhere you get books. Also, be sure to check out my Substack at leonidas.substack.com. And if you'd like to support the podcast and Substack, you can do so at donorbox.org leonidas. I really appreciate that. And as always, do your own research, challenge everything, And don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe. We'll see you next week. God bless.